Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I had been experiencing symptoms for weeks where I would have tingling in my foot. I thought I had symptoms of vertigo, so I had trouble balancing. So on June the 5th is when it really took control where I woke up one day and I went to make a trip to the bank, which is about five minutes from my house. And my vision started to get very blurry to the point that I couldn't drive. I went home and I I went to sleep for a couple hours thinking that if I took a nap, I'll wake up and we'll be all right. So I had a dream where a figure came to me and said that we have to go and asked me that I trust it. And I, I knew exactly that I had to wake up and go to the hospital. So I woke up, I tapped my wife and she took me to the hospital. They just took me back and started to take me for a CAT scan and a chest X-ray. And the doctors came a few hours later with the results saying that they thought I had a mass on my brain. So then they sent me for an MRI and there was determined I I had a cavernous malformation that had leaked blood at my brainstem and cerebellum. Try and stay as positive as you can. I believe that me staying in a positive light allowed for my body to follow my mind. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In America, strokes among younger people are on the rise. 15% of ischemic strokes are happening in young adults and adolescents. And over the past decade, there's been a 44% increase in the number of young Americans hospitalized due to stroke. In this episode, we hear from Tymeek Hawkins from Franklin Park in New Jersey. Tymeek suffered a stroke at the age of 29. I was pretty active. I was a college athlete. I graduated from Fairleigh Dickinson University in 2015, where I played college basketball. And uh, I was in the fitness and working for Verizon Wireless before my stroke. It was June 5th of 2019. I had been experiencing symptoms for weeks where I would have tingling in my foot. I thought I had symptoms of vertigo, so I had trouble balancing. So on June the 5th is when it really took control where I woke up one day and I went to make a trip to the bank, which is about five minutes from my house. And my vision started to get very blurry to the point that I couldn't drive. It was a day that me and my wife were taking our photo shoot for our engagement. And during the outfit changes, I noticed that I couldn't really keep my balance or do things that I was accustomed to doing. So I went home and I I went to sleep for a couple hours thinking that if I took a nap, I'll wake up and we'll be all right. So I had a dream where a figure came to me and said that we have to go and asked me that I trust it. 
and I, I knew exactly that I had to wake up and go to the hospital. So I woke up, I tapped my wife and she took me to the hospital. So I went to the ER and they immediately, they just took me back and started to take me for a CAT scan and a chest x-ray. And the doctors came a few hours later with the results saying that they thought I had a mass on my brain. So then they sent me for an MRI and there was determined I, I had a cavernous malformation that had leaked blood at my brainstem and cerebellum. They say that uh, the brainstem stroke isn't as much of like a punch in the face as a left or right stroke. It's more of a progression. So I had felt progression of the symptoms over some time without really knowing what was going on. Doctors didn't think Ty Meek needed an operation. Because the amount of blood, it was only a teaspoon, pretty much equivalent to a teaspoon. They just allowed my body to reabsorb the blood to just let the body naturally do what it does. So I, I avoided surgery, which was pretty good in my eyes. They said that where the brainstem, they could just make an incision at the back of the neck and go in and remove it. But it came with, at my age and being an athlete, it came with a lot of further complications that they felt weren't worth the risk. The cause is a, a hereditary malformation. So my brother has it as well. And so does my uncle. But both of theirs is in the frontal lobe, I believe. They have epilepsy. So where mine's is in the brainstem, I don't have epilepsy, but it's a hereditary thing that the doctors believe. What happened was my brother had a seizure at four, and that's when they found his cavernous malformation. And so I was supposed to get tested young, but the focus was on my brother and making sure that he was well. I was healthy, so we didn't think much of it. So I had probably lived with it all my life. They say that it's common to have a cavernous malformation, but you won't know until if it bleeds. I was in the hospital for one week, and then I was transferred to a inpatient acute rehab facility because the stroke affected the right side, the right facial muscles, and the left side of my body. So I had numbness and pins and needles in the left side of my body and right side of my face. I was in the rehab facility for three weeks. So in total, I was in a hospital environment for a month. After spending a while in hospital, Time Eek was allowed to go home, but he still had plenty of recovery time ahead of him. I mean, I was in worse shape than I believe, just because my mind, I knew what to do, and my mind remembered the things that I needed to do, but my body just couldn't do it. So I went home, I was in a wheelchair for about a week, and I had a walker for, for a little bit, and I had to retrain myself on how to just function at home. Being out of the house for a month, it was in the condition that I was in. It was a little scary, so I was excited to be back in an environment I was familiar with to continue recovering. For work, I was out of work for six months. So from June until December, I was out of work. Returned to work, I believe, the second week of December. My job made it an easy transition in me back to work and making sure I was in a, a safe environment. I'm a manager in a retail store for Verizon Wireless. They were very supportive. They were very supportive in me taking my time to come back very supportive in me returning. So they made some adjustments. I would have about 
a 50 minute commute to work at one point and they made accommodations to get me to a location that was just 10 minutes from my house. Ty Meek was able to rely on immense support from his close family. My wife and my mom were there pretty much every day of the process, even till this day. They're in my corner, my younger brother as well, but it was kind of a scary thing for him because typically I was seen as like the strong cornerstone and to see me in that shape, it kind of was scary for him. So he didn't come around a lot because he didn't want to, you know, trigger his stress levels for a seizure. But we would talk every day. My friends, they were very supportive and concerned. So I had, I had a lot of support in my corner. A lot of relatives, a lot of friends, even a lot of strangers. When I was in the the rehab facility, one thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to go live to show people the state uh, that I was in. So that's detailed on my Facebook and my Instagram. You can see the story of the progression. So as I started posting more, just, you know, a lot of friendly strangers reached out in, in support and just kind of asking me how I stayed so mentally strong and just, I guess, trying to pick my brain for advice and support me at the same time. When I went live, I had seen views, like my views were over a thousand views, which was the most I had ever seen on anything I had posted. And from there, one of my friends decided to start a GoFundMe and spread it through social media. And it was trending on GoFundMe at one point. A lot of people made donations, which helped with the medical bills and the therapy and equipment that I had needed at first when coming home. And even like till now, people are reaching out, fellow survivors. I've been in contact with a number of, of survivors and we've just all connected locally. And, and even people who are, who are distant, it just is a sense of community within uh, social media for, for our survivors. When I was in St. Lawrence, my rehab facility, there was a stroke like group and then also the American Stroke Association that I recently posted my story to and they got me in touch with the local New Jersey office. So I've been in touch with two groups and looking to engage with more groups and also the Brain Injury Association as well. Right now, because we're having the coronavirus, COVID-19, they're more so online. But when things kind of get back to, I guess, the new normal, it'll be in person again. Although Ty Meek had to spend about a month in hospital and then continue his recovery at home, he's now been able to return to a new normal and is back at work. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Ty Meek on returning to basketball. I do it casually with hopes of one day maybe being able to compete again, but if not, I competed at, at the college level and my career ended at the college level the way that I wanted to, so I would be at peace if I couldn't play competitively again. And on staying upbeat about his stroke experience. The new me looks at the stroke as a positive experience because so much positive has come from this experience, from connections made to just my mindset and to, you know, my family even coming closer from this experience. Let's hear how Ty Meek coped during the coronavirus pandemic. I was in a hospital for a month, so I had already been in 
a quarantine kind of environment. So once I started to look at it from that perspective, it became easier. And then it was kind of, for me, it's been very beneficial having more time because we've been able to work from home. And so I have more time to, to do therapy and to do just to try different methods to keep continuing to allow myself to get better. I have a couple of like lingering effects. So I have slight double vision in the top right quadrant. So if I look off in the distance upward to the right, I'll see slightly double. So I wear prism glasses to help with that. I still have some numbness, tingling in the left side of my body from the shoulder down to my toes and just some little nerve pain. Still have a slight tremor with writing. So I'm still training myself how to fully write without the tremor. I'm back in the gym. I can run again. I can work out and feel comfortable. Sometimes I might have a little abdomen tightness where it'll affect my breathing a little bit, but I'm working my way back to basketball now, but I'm taking it step by step. I do it casually with hopes of one day maybe being able to compete again. But if not, I competed at, at the college level and my career ended at the college level the way that I wanted to. So I would be at peace if I couldn't play competitively again. Despite all he's been through, Taimi continues to stay positive. On June 5th, I celebrated a second birthday, a rebirth day, because I have a whole different outlook on life now. So to say I'm a, the same person as before, I would be lying to you. I feel that I'm a completely different person for the better. Just my outlook on life and not thinking of just life as about myself and thinking about what can I do to help others out. So I don't only just think about myself anymore. I'm not selfish. I'm more selfless now than I was ever before. Depending on how you look at it, you know, the old me would have probably looked at it from a negative light, but the new me looks at the stroke as a positive experience because so much positive has come from this experience, from connections made to just my mindset. Until, you know, my family even coming closer from this experience. And future goals, of course, like I said, I would potentially like to be able to play sports competitively again. If not, I would like to get into coaching. I would like to get into fitness and corrective exercise to be able to help people who've been through experiences like me to try and recover as much as they can. And I also would like one goal is to go back to school to pursue my master's in clinical psychology or clinical counseling to be able to be, you know, a resource to people and survivors like myself. He thinks his positive mindset was key in his recovery. Two pieces of advice that I would give a stroke survivor would be try and stay as positive as you can. I believe that me staying in a positive light allowed for my body to follow my mind. I'm a believer that the body follows the mind. So had I been in a negative headspace, then I think my body would have followed that path. So I know it, it might be a tough thing to do, but try to stay as positive as you can for your mind and for your body. My second bit of advice would be it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Speaking on myself, I know I wanted to get back to my old self as quick as possible. So I kind of rushed the process the first time around. Now that I bought into it being a process and a journey and enjoying the journey, it's no rush. Just take your time and 
you'll see the beauty in the experience. For a loved one, I would say, you know, just be present. You know, it's different ways that survivors will need you, whether it's to for you to be in person, for you to be a listening ear. Just be present as, as much as you can for your loved one that, that's a survivor, because it, it goes a long way when a survivor feels supported. Ty Meek has adapted to life after stroke and refocused his energy on helping other survivors through his presence on social media. Coming up on the next episode of Stroke Stories. Woke up about 6am in the morning feeling a little bit, a little bit groggy. I knew I had to get up before my wife for work, so I sort of was tossing and turning for a bit and then tried to lean over to turn the alarm clock off before it went off, if that makes sense. And I fell out of bed. Please do subscribe to our podcast and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and you have a story to share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.